Welcome to Seeds of Awakening, a podcast of original audio workshops brought to you by Be Light. My name is Forrest Daniel Dwyer. I am alongside the world's greatest host, me, Kimberly Kim- James. <laughs> um, this interview, we sat down with someone very close to home. Very close to home. It was my mom. <laughs> um, <laughs> also known as Joan Dwyer, the epic human that is Joan Dwyer. The epic human that is Joan Dwyer. She founded a yoga studio called All That Matters. Was Which was known as a little yoga studio with a big vision. A little yoga studio with a big vision. It <laughs> was. It started, I remember it, it was one room studio. And over the course of the 25 years, sh- she grew it to over four locations. The largest non-residential holistic center in New England. That's true. Come on, got to give full props where props are due. Um, and she deserves the props. At the time that she started it, yoga was not a thing that was done in yoga studios like we see it now um and this is a topic and a conversation that she's taught for many years and is very dear to her heart which is dharma and living your calling living what you're meant to do and living it out loud and proudly and she when she gets on this topic (laughs) she's very inspiring (laughs) and i hope you know as we hope with all your pod all these podcasts is it's something that you kind of take away with a little inspiration take some notes and and love it enjoy enjoy the one thing i want to say is at the very end of this podcast we have a little bit of a secret gem from kimberly jacobson i'm gonna leave it at that adios adios yeah what like what is dharma and how does it fall within the Within yoga. Yeah. What is its place in yoga? So I'm not Buddhist and I'm not, Dharma is a, is a word that I believe came from the Buddhist tradition. And, and today, for the purpose of this hour, I don't, um, I'm not going to be teaching Buddhist teachings, the Buddhist teachings of Dharma. Um, I'm going to be, we're going to be talking about a broader a broader understanding of Dharma, which is uh, more like, what is our purpose here? Mm-hmm. Like, why did we come here? And and how do we f- how do we know we we're on it? And so that we can rest and and grow in it. And so for me, uh, Dharma speaks to what is our purpose here on this earth and connecting with that and and like i just said a little earlier we so many people i think are lost because we're told school is gonna educate us in a certain way and we have to go to we have to pick in it you know pick our dharma at a time where at 16 or 18 you don't know yet what your dharma is but you have to say i want to be a chemist or i want to be a you know an artist and and then you have to get more schooling and then to really follow your dharma, you have to unschool yourself. <laughs> so it's a very confusing way, the way our American world is set up in connection with really knowing ourselves. And I see people very, very confused on their path. And I think that it can be much more ele- elegant. And I think w- once we kind of tap into like, yeah, this is our dharma, we find all the support. And it's not necessarily a straight road. It tends to be more of a winding road. But then you're just comfortable on the winding road. You're not looking for that. 
you know, I've decided to buy, be a businessman and I re want to retire by 40. Mm -hmm. Like those disciplines, like they're great if that's your path and it excites you, great. But sometimes they cause so much more stress because they're not aligned with your dharma. Mm. So there's a clarification I want to make up front. What your dharma is isn't necessarily what you make your money from. Because sometimes when people listen and think about dharma, they're like, well, then my dharma is to study yoga and to be a yoga teacher. Mm -hmm. How do I make money from that? Sometimes they don't, those two paths don't come along. Like sometimes your dharma is to be a mother, mm. you know, just right. to be a mother, you know, and just wasn't the right word because, of course, being a mother is <laughs> not a just statement. But um, sometimes your dharma is to be a gardener. And may, but maybe you don't make your money. Maybe during the day, you're a stockbroker. It right. doesn't. So I just want to clarify that because sometimes when you hear this talk, the immediate you're place your brain go is, okay, then how do I make money from my dharma? Sometimes if you're lucky, they intersect, mm -hmm. but not always. And so I, I need to make that clarification. That makes sense. So I'm curious, living your dharma and weaving your dharma into your day-to-day -day life, how, if they don't always intersect, how can you live your dharma while being a stockbroker or being whatever it is you're being? If it's your dharma, it will overflow into everything with grace and ease. Like, it, you know, like it's not like you have to have two separate lives. I'm just saying that um, if you're comfortable in understanding your strengths and why and, and recognizing them and and living them out loud, it will overflow into any work you do, even if you're a garbage man, you know? You'll just see that garbage man, he's like so happy, you don't know why, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's not like you have your dharma set on the weekends and then you're <laughs> in hell on the weekdays. It, it, it shouldn't be like that. Those are the kind of disconnected lives that are confusing people, who are making people search, as they should be, because um, you know, yoga and the, the rich philosophy and science of yoga is all about oneness. So it's all about being one with ourselves and whole in our whole being. So it's not either or it's Wednesday, I'm this day. You know, it's like it, it's permeable. It permeates mm -hmm. everything. Mm. Does that make yeah. does that make it clear? Yeah, it does. You, you mentioned earlier, uh, you said Dharma is in part, I'm paraphrasing obviously but you said it's like knowing ourselves or knowing yourself it not dharma is knowing yourself but that's a it's big piece of element. it and so i was kind of curious in this realm i think there with all of these people being disconnected with a lot of people searching and trying to figure out you know like what it is they really want to do that process of knowing ourselves and, and having an elegant life like what is for the people that are searching or figuring out like how how do we get there or my way ahead on the no, so the search is real and it never ends I, i'm in my 60s and my search continues because here's the interesting thing your dharma changes too over time you know mm. what my callings were and my passions were it changes clothing it doesn't necessarily change but like it looks different and it changes so and our life is actually well designed for this search. Hmm. 
you know, like in the beginning, you know, the first 20 years of our life, we're seekers. We're just taking in, f you know, the food that our parents give us and knowledge and we're open and we're listening and we're, you know, even though sometimes we seem to be put on a narrow track, that's not us. It's a time of seeking. Hmm. Then from our mid-20s into our 50s, we're using all the knowledge we seeked. You know, we're... You, you know, we're we're caring for others, you know, as either a mother or a child of aging parents. And we find ways to give to our community. And we're like very much active in using our physical strength and our mind and our body. And it's, it's a time to be productive. And, and those are all exercises in where do I put my energy and time? How do I do it with integrity? And then you get to this, the third phase of your life, which is like, I've worked hard, I've given. Now I can rest into my laurels and, and be more of the wise woman or the wise man. I don't have to physically do everything and I, could, I can study more and I can, you know, so there's, the, our life unfolds in a way mm. to help our Dharma unfold. It's very timely and elegant, you know, mm. it's just catching that wave <laughs> as opposed to always being like five steps behind it or in front of it. And, and that wave is, is catchable and then you lose it and then you start asking lots of questions like where is it you know do I go right do I go left who's my teacher mm. and then you catch the wave again that's the nature of of life I think and um, I'm gonna do a sidestep here for a second because just recently I was talking to someone who I really get a kick out of and what she said was she we weren't talking about Dharma but it made me curious about how this fits with the concept of dharma and i think it fits really well like she said we come into this plane we reincarnate into this plane to learn a lesson like we're like hey i want to study this mm -hmm. in the real physical world and we also come to this plane with our soul's gifts and she said, if we're lucky, we use the gifts of our soul to create great work so that we can learn. <laughs> and then once we learn, we learn, then we can rest back into the gifts of our soul. And, and the last phase of our life could be um, more of a restful, nourishing, integrative, like Shavasana, <laughs> you know, but like a very awake Shavasana, like a bright and shiny Shavasana, you know, not a, I fell asleep, what just happened, yeah. you know, <laughs> I'm dead, <laughs> you know. So I really love that concept and to apply it to my own life because, which might help people to grab on it a little bit more. Um, I think my soul's gifts and I think it's very important that we all know our soul's gifts. I think my, our so, my soul's gifts is to be a very creative soul. I think in many lifetimes, I was either a musician or a writer or a dancer or, an, or a painter. And, and I think it's something that emanates from my cells. And there was a point in my life where I didn't know that and I felt very lost. And once I found out that it was like my life became very much more sweet. Mm -hmm. I also think I came in to this earth to learn business. Mm. 
for some reason, it was an evasive, you know, not, not evasive, but it was something I couldn't grasp onto in other lives. So what do I do? You know, I, as a creative soul and as a natural kind of yogi, I create a yoga business. Mm -hmm. And so for 25 years, I started All That Matters, my, uh, a small yoga center in 1995. For 25 years, I worked in it and just less than a month ago, I sold it. Big transitional phase I'm in. I, I learned business. I hadn't gone to college. I only went to college for a year, and, um, but I learned how to write. I learned how to read Excel sheets. I learned how to understand QuickBook. I learned how to publicly speak. I learned how to manage people. I learned how to grow a business. I grew it you know, from, from a 1,000 square foot room to having four locations and you know, over 10,000 square feet. I, I learned how to market. I learned how to, I really, you know, so much so that I ended up becoming a business consultant for other yoga studios and small businesses, you know, because it became very intuitive to me. I actually think, I jokingly say that selling my business was my PhD in business. It was the final dissertation, yeah. <laughs> how to sell a business, <laughs> right? And, and now I feel like I can rest into kind of what is easy for me. And, you know, I took my office, my in-house office here, and I turned it into an art studio, and I've been writing a lot. And so I guess I'm saying all that is for the reason of kind of creating a context for our dharma, our soul's work, mm -hmm. why we came in here, our purpose, and also the faces of life. So to create that, um, that container that we can keep this conversation going on. So it sounds like dharma, dharma has just different chapters of the same concept? Or do you feel like it, that the dharma as a whole changes completely over time? So... I think that if you, if you could say something like, my strengths are, which we, I want to talk about knowing your strengths a little, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but if we could say my strengths are, I think God put us on this earth to come from our strengths, to not always be struggling with the things we don't do that well. And even though business wasn't necessarily my strength, I was given teachers that taught it to me and I was ready to learn it. And so one of my strengths happened to be I'm very resourceful. <laughs> you know, that I'm willing to ask for help. That's a strength of mine. So I guess if you, one of the ways to know your dharma is to, is to feel comfortable coming from your strengths. And that might show up in one phase of your life as one thing in another phase of your life as something else. Mm -hmm. So like, I don't think Dharma is necessarily, again, your work. It's, it's more, in a sense, your work ethic. It's, mm. it's what drives you to work, you mm. know? It, it's yeah. what drives the, your, you to keep you charged and not lost. In, yeah, I, I also wanted to talk about 
knowing your strengths. I, you said it like part of it is being comfortable coming from your strengths. Yeah. That isn't really easy for a lot of people. I feel like even knowing your strengths sometimes can be really challenging. Like I've, I've actually seen you do a workshop on this in person where you've had people write down their strengths and people, some people can't, can't do, do it, it at all. And you had, you know, there was one moment that I, I saw you lead a workshop where it was on Dharma and you asked everybody to write down their strengths and a woman couldn't write down one thing and you had everybody in the room shout out her strengths. It was really like powerful moment because this woman couldn't think of one strength and then there are 30 people shouting out like what they see in her and it was really cool. But I, I am wondering, do you have any, you know, you have a ton of tools in your tool bag. You have a, a bunch of things you use. Like, is there anything you use to help people say, hey, like, here's how you identify your strengths? Or is there a way to start to, like, raise your awareness and and see where you have strengths so that you can start to find comfort in them? Yeah. It's the same thing. Strengths are different than desires. But understanding your strengths and desires and spending some time playing with that, even though they might change, are really important. And we don't often give ourselves enough time to creatively play with that kind of curiosity because again what we were talking about early it's like the school system basically says what track do you be on stay on it yeah. mm -hmm. and this level of being curious and being an inquiry is really important and you know i i've been i've said this a lot but allowing yourself to be an inquiry opens up the space for magic to descend like for the insight to descend and come to you you know where if we always think we have to know with our brain we're going to take one path but if we can be curious and say well who am i what are my passions what 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 are my strengths Th and then we know them that's a really potent stage and i think it's the base level stage mm. and 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 there's a lot of ways to get there so you know um one way, and I remember, Forrest, when you were trying to decide um, what major to take in college, and you initially picked one that you thought you should, you know, you should do, because right. you were an athlete in this, and it kind of made logical sense, but then you got into it, and you're like, yeah, this isn't it, and then you happened to like one teacher, so you thought, well, then... I only like one teacher in all of college, so then maybe I should be a chemistry major. Yeah, I was full-blown going to be a chemist there yeah, for a year. Yeah, I don't know. I think <laughs> I discouraged that, which I'm not sure if I made a mistake. But um, but then we, you took this little program with somebody and, you know, to write down all, you know, to spend some time in inquiry, right, about yeah. who you were and what you were passionate about. And... One of the steps of that I remember that were pretty potent, which I, I think is one tool people can use, is you go back to what lit you up when you were a child. Yeah, I remember that. You know, like, what got you excited when you were a child? Like, when I was a child, I loved going to the stationery store. Like, I love staring at all the pens. I love looking at the cards and how people drew things. Like, I loved that. I loved... Soul Train, because <laughs> yeah, I just loved watching them dance, you know, and mm. like what, and even though I'm not a dancer, you know, movement and art, like they, they nourished me, you know, so um, what, 
what curiosities, what made you smile? What did you like playing with at a child? Like my daughter, one of my daughters, like her and her best friend were always creating offices. They always had a calculator and a typewriter and they made their own business cards. And like, that was their joy. We have a, this is a side story that is irrelevant, but we have, um, she's my little cousin, but she just got a virtual reality headset. And I asked her what game she's playing. And she's like, oh, the coolest game that I love playing right now is I can, I can work in an office. <laughs> and I was like, what? Of all the virtual reality. You could reality. go to anywhere in the world in your virtual reality heads. You're going to an office <laughs> with a cubicle. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I went through that process and I learned a lot uh, looking at my childhood. And it didn't actually hit me until recently because I've recently uncovered that like, I, I love to write. Um, and it didn't hit me till recently that when I was a kid, I used to play by myself and like make up worlds in my head. And I had like, people would come out to play with me and I would be like, no, I like, you're stepping on all the people that are <laughs> here. <laughs> and it just kind of dawned on me like, oh, this is like this creative side of me that I, I kind of forgot about. And that and lit you like, up, yeah, right? I mean, you can remember that as something that lit you up, right? Yeah. And so I think that that's, that's a fun place to start the inquiry. Like, what lit me up as a child before I had all these overlays of shoulds and coulds and, you know, before people told me, you know. So that's, that's one creative way. Another creative way is um, my friend Jane Bernstein, who's a life coach, she wrote to me once and said, she gave me like five questions, which we can ask Jane and you mm -hmm. can post yeah, them somewhere post them. if you That'd want. But um, she, it was like five questions that I, she said, can you answer these five questions about me? Like, what do you think my strengths are? What do you, you know, how do I inspire you, whatever. And she had these five questions and she said, and if you would like, I would be happy to answer these for you. And she sent them to people who loved her and knew her and who would take the time to write. You know, she didn't send it to 30 people. She sent it to like, maybe her mom and to three of her best friends and to someone. And like, I really thought about it. And then Jane got that. And instead of going like, oh, well, that's because it's my mother and she thinks I'm cool. Like she really read them and felt into each one yeah. and, and accepted them and let that open up new doors of, of inquiry about it. So it could be really fun, quite frankly, and essential if you haven't already done this work to find ways to rest into your essence and know that essence and to nurture that essence or that child, that spirit that wants to be brilliant, you know, and bright and shining in the world. Um, Tasha Silver, who is a well-known author who I like to follow, Love who her. inspired me <laughs> in the last year a lot. Um, we just listened to her astrological projections for 2020 she's an astrologer too and and one of the things she said is to get through some of the big challenges that the planets are going to bring us is that you have to be in touch with your inner child and your inner warrior this year because if you're just in touch with your inner warrior you know nobody likes somebody who's always carrying a sword yeah. you know and, and is like ready for <laughs> battle 
And if you're just in touch with your inner child, like you get a little exhausted yeah. by the vulnerability and the, you know, and, and, you know, the whining, crying and screaming and, you know, like, you know, and whatever that child is wanting to do. But if you can bring both to life in a dance and, and sorry, you guys, you can't see it out there, but I did draw a picture of my oh, inner man. child and well. my inner warrior. <laughs> um, She's going to send that to it us. Is, it's going to yeah, be, it's sure. going to be the podcast cover art. Okay. And, um, so if <laughs> when you get to this and you're thinking, what was this art? It, this is it. Yeah. I, I did a piece on my inner child and my inner warrior. And, and uh, to be honest with you, that piece was very hard to do because I think the inner child stuff is stupid. <laughs> You know, I just, and it's because it's, it's my own resistance. I'm resisted. Yeah. I had to grow up very quickly when I was a child. And so this inner child thing just like, oh, really, again, I have to mess with this inner child stuff. So, um, <laughs> but I really kind of played with it in my art room and it was very fun. And you'll see that my inner child and warrior are, are kind of childlike. And I appreciate that because I've worked with a lot of intense warriors in my life and I, in this stage of my life, don't need to be an intense warrior anymore. I did to fight for my children. I had to, to fight for my business. I had to, 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 you know, but I, I'm done. I, I'm, I'm putting down that big, heavy Joan of Arc metal sword. And right now I have like a dragon that has fire and he's looks like a comic, you know, and I like him very much. And so, um, so to get back on track because I can easily go down many paths. <laughs> um, Tasha said that this is the time to pull up our inner warrior and inner child. And really that dance between the inner warrior and the inner child, those two archetypes are the two who are going to support you to live and know and embrace your purpose here and your dharma and so they are um they are they too not only are your supporters but a fun tool to play with in this inquiry about what is my purpose here and am i doing it and am i doing it now mm -hmm. and am mm -hmm. i doing it now and what face does it have today and what face does it have now and and there were many times it's very easy for me now to look back at like the challenges of my mid-30s. But my life changed so much in my mid-30s, so I had to kind of push out old and bring in new. And then the next, so there are many times where what fit before does not fit now. But if you can rest back into who am I, what is my dharma, that leads the path. That's, that's the light at the end of the forest. That, that's the sword you're holding on to. Do those metaphors work? I'm not quite yeah. sure they did. <laughs> so, and I think this expands on that a little bit more, and it could be such a silly question, but being in, being in the yoga world, I think sometimes, like, there's some people who are so open and receptive to it, and then there are some people who have, like, are sitting there going, why, why is it even important to understand my dharma? Like, why do I need to know my life's purpose if I'm, like, content kind of, or if you're kind of moving along on the daily, wake up, go to work, do this, do that. Like, why is it so important to know your dharma or to know your purpose? So those people are, could be one of two places on the wide spectrum, <laughs> right? <laughs> on the far end of one side, they might be people who 
are so unawake and so exhausted and so stuck in a routine that they're like, what are you talking about, Dharma? I got to go, you know. Right. I, you know, I can hardly, you know, get enough hours of sleep in the day. I don't have time to think about this. And, and it's true, their life is designed right now that they, they can, like, that is a fantasy. Yeah. Then there's the other people who, you know, I think sometimes, some lifetimes you get a buy. And it, so actually someone told me this about one of my children got a buy this lifetime because that child, he, so, he was so good in so many lives and lived his dharma so fully that he can do anything this lifetime. And no, I know it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. My um, dad's in the back. He's waving his finger at me. He says, not you. <laughs> so unfortunate. <laughs> we're because we're a little afraid force is resting too much into that theme. <laughs> anyway, um, and 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 I do think you know you have these lifetimes where it's not a struggle and you're just living your soul's thing and whatever wherever you want to put your attention that's fine. It's a time to relax. So there could be this other you know you can be anywhere on the spectrum. And if this question is not ailing you, well, then it's not your question. Yeah. Like, mm. you know, you probably aren't even listening to this. <laughs> but really, if this is the podcast you happen to be on, probably this inquiry is, is up for you, you know? And, 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 and what I'm finding is in this time in the universe here in the United States, this is an inquiry that's up for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, I think it is an inquiry for a lot of people. I think you're right that it's like when you're searching and trying to figure out why, what the heck you should be doing, it's, it's usually pretty clear that you're searching. But um, my question is actually what are the, the challenges sometimes with when you, okay, you've uncovered your strengths, you've uncovered your dharma. Like some challenges come along with that that I've found personally and that knowing your story, I know you've found a little bit too, is like one that I've found too is when you've, find your dharma sometimes there's like an imposter syndrome for me anyway like it's called me to do some things that i felt like are challenges or are there any other challenges or like ways to counter that or i don't know what imposter syndrome means should i know that no um i feel like imposter syndrome is kind of like you start to step into something and it it feels really good but there's also a quality of like oh i like these aren't my shoes. Like this is new. These aren't my shoes that I'm used to wearing or like I'm unqualified to be doing this or imposter syndrome's a little bit like uh yeah, it's this feeling of like, well, who am I to do that? Um maybe you haven't felt that. But you know, like you just r- recently started, you know, your art and sharing your art publicly and like was there ever a feeling of like, well, who am I to share this art or that like it's it's a little bit like not feeling comfortable stepping into the light of uh, light of that. Um, yeah, but if you're on the path of Dharma, let me just say. You'll do it anyway? You got to say, fuck that shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not kidding. I mean, we've, of course that's going to happen. Of course there are a minimal million things out there that will make you feel small, especially when you're starting to feel big. Like, that's a muscle test. You know, that's, that's resistance. That's the wall. Like, you know, that's the growth. And, and if the resistance is, you know, oh, you know, there's a difference between a resistance. It's like, oh, this really isn't mine. I'm not, 
this is totally not mine. I thought this was mine, but it, I tried on this hat and it didn't feel good. Right. But then the resistance you're talking about is, oh, I'm feeling really big and bright and this is it. But oh, let me get small because my mind is telling me. You know, right. you know, that game, that mental game versus the heart game, like that's a muscle that needs to be exercised if you're going to be brave enough to take to delve into this path of living purposefully. And and let me just say that there is this path, this path of yoga is a very brave and courageous path. And if bravery and courageous aren't in your toolbox, then, you know, it's not your path because um, it's not our whole, um, I don't know what the word for this is, but as Americans in in the century that we're living in, we have not been set up to naturally just rise to our dharma in a community and then our community sees it and then grows like in many traditional communities if you know you go back and read about them or whatever you know there's a small group and they need everybody to rise to their dharma like from the minute you know your 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 name is often your dharma like Mm -hmm. some shaman sees your name and you know you are forest the tree grower or whatever you know like and and then you are nurtured not pushed driven to, you know, but you are nurtured to fully grow into that. We are not in our society. It, so this be, makes it a very brave and courageous path mm-hmm. to do this. And, you know, the other thing, Kim, that you mentioned was, you know, people come to yoga and like, I don't know why I need to understand the philosophy and science of yoga or, you know, I don't know if yoga is for me. And, but like, they came. And for them just moving their arm and stretching and letting the energy and that's that's step one you know like no matter once someone steps into the path of yoga yoga does them over time it just does Mm -hmm. even if they're not doing regular physical practice no matter what limb of yoga you know there's eight limbs of yoga whether they're in the meditation practice whether in the seva practice when they're in practice wears away all the the limitations it's the practice is what burns off the and trains the soul and the mind to work together for growth as opposed to opposed to each other mm-hmm. and you know right now our mind are so valued and what we think are so valued that that's where 80% of our energy is going all day. But in a more balanced lifestyle, the truth comes from our intuition and our heart and our soul. And then that truth speaks to our mind. And our mind is like, okay, if that's the truth, I will make it happen for you. And our mind is the laborer of the soul and heart. But in this world that we're living in, our mind over takes over too much energy and we can't hear the, the murmurs of the soul. So that's where the, practice of, the practices of yoga and the science and philosophy of yoga work very hard to switch that balance. Hmm. And that's why yoga is so, so relevant in this day and age and why you see a yoga center in every corner. Um, 
Gallup did a poll of a million people and what they, uh, asking them their strengths and their weaknesses. And what they found out is that if you ask people specifically in America about their weaknesses, they can go on for a week. <laughs> they know very well all their weaknesses. And if you ask the same person their strengths, they stutter and mumble and have a hard time coming up with five. Mm -hmm. So you can see this speaks to like our cultural, but you can see how um, we've been trained, n you know, not to honor or feel strong or stand into and radiate and blast from our strengths. You know, right. we've been conditioned to always fix what's wrong. Hmm. So what would happen, and this is a question like, what would happen if we really know our strengths and just radiated from them. When you ask that question over and over again, because I have in so many programs, people are afraid they won't be humble. People are afraid that, you know, they won't know their weakness. People, there's fear. There's so much fear about standing in our, our strengths that we're not even willing to see them. Hmm. So it's an important process to stand strong in your strengths. and. And, and you have a million of them, like, you know, there's, there's maybe two or three predominant ones so that, like, say you wrote down 50 of them, you could say, oh, if I wanted to take these 50 and put them in three categories, right. you know, oh, I can say, I can condense it to these three things are my strengths, mm -hmm. you know, and, but this process of uncovering and it's like cleaning the gem, right? You're like cleaning the gem and letting it sparkle and putting sun on it. This is, this is the process of living your dharma. This is an important piece. And, and I think it just starts very simply like writing your strengths, asking other people your strengths, standing strongly and saying, I am a very creative person. As a matter of fact, if I'm not creating, I'm dying. Like, that's how much I know that strength. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, if I don't get in my art room, or if I don't write, or if I'm not with someone who's willing to have a deep conversation with me, I start feeling a little, like, dried up. You know, I'm a very creative person. I'm also an extremely resourceful person. Like, I love solving things. <laughs> I can solve a lot. I mean, I even, I was even... I even had a gig for a while. I was called myself the answer lady. <laughs> three, three answer ladies. We got dressed up in 1950s clothes and we said, <laughs> with, you know, with wit or wisdom, we can answer any question for 25 cents. And we were quite successful being answer ladies. And it was like, this is crazy fun. Uh. So like, what is crazy fun for you? Like, what is it? Yeah. And what is, if you did, weren't able to do it, you'd be dying. And if you're listening to this right now and you feel, well, like I am dying, then, then you have to find that crazy fun. If now, your life is so crazy boring, <laughs> you are just denying your strengths. Now, do you find when you first tapped into this idea and this concept and you found the things that were crazy fun, did you notice any resistance to like just making time for them? Oh, like so much resistance, <laughs> like resistance to this day. To, you know, I still, I still feel the resistance. Like, you know, this morning I spent the whole morning reading before you came because I got into this novel and, and I was like, 
I could have and should have done so many things, but it was so nurturing to sit there in the sun on my chair with my new little throw blanket and read. And yet I had to fight off those right. like little chatty judgments, you know, but I was just nourishing myself. And, and, and why do I have to judge myself for that? Like that's crazy shit, but you just have to keep making that smaller. And, and part of maturing into your dharma that you is is to use that muscle and say no not today today mm -hmm. this is this is what's the right thing to nourish me today i need to act from my strengths listen the, um stephen cope wrote a great book on dharma and the bhagavad-gita and it's called the great work of your life is great that what it's called life, yeah. great work of your life it, um, it's available on Kindle, super cheap. It's great. It's such easy reading. It's one of those books I call like candy. Like it just goes down really quickly and you just want to finish <laughs> it, right? It's really a sweet book. And, and what he says is the Bhagavad Gita, which is a sacred yogic text. Um, the Bhagavad Gita um, says over and over again, it, it, you know, in so many ways, like it keeps coming at you in different ways. And what it says are these four things. It says know your dharma, live it out loud, ask for help with no attachment to the outcome. What I've really learned, because I've been playing with these four things for a long time, ever since I read his book, which was at least, it, I read it right when it came out. So whatever that, you know, is more than five years, I've been mm -hmm. playing with reading the Gita and also these four words, these four mm -hmm. statements. And so listen to them again. It's know your dharma. The first step is to know it. The second step is to live it out loud, not smallly right, under, right. A, you know, a tree where so nobody could see you and the sun doesn't ever get in. Live it out loud. Find the avenue, find the path, find the community where you can live your dharma out loud. The third step is ask for help. Yoga, union with others, union with thyself. Ask for help. Don't say, this is my dharma. I don't want anyone to know. I don't want God to shine any light on it. I don't want to ask anybody for help because you will die. <laughs> you know, you will get ill. You will be sick. Like, don't. You have to ask for help. This is the world we live in. One, where help is available. Just as a little side note, there's a, the Abraham tapes, they, one time they said, you know, there's a million angels waiting to help you. They're actually unemployed angels. They're waiting to help you. <laughs> They're waiting. Unemployed angels are waiting to help you. But this is how they hear us speak, speaking for us to your thing about, you know, the imposter syndrome. They hear, they hear you saying, yes, 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 I want this. Oh, no, 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 I'm not worthy. Yes, 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 I want this. Oh, no, 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 I want this. So they're halfway down because you're saying, yes, 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 I want this. And then you say, no, 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 I'm not worthy. So they go back up. You know, mm. like stop that. Just ask for help, right? So we know our dharma. We're living it out loud. We're asking for help with no attachment to the outcome. 
with not like, I want to make a million dollars tomorrow right. or with no attachment to the outcome. Because let me tell you something, God's plan is so much more divine and elegant, elegant for you than your fucking little small plan. Yeah. It is like, so if you have no attachment to the outcome, that means like you are open to some amazing things. Now, what I have found in most people's life is when they are stuck, they're not doing one of these four things. Wow. Mm. And it's consistent. So it's kind of like you can go, I'm really stuck. Which of these yeah. is holding me back? And so I'm really good. From even a young child, I've been really good at kind of knowing my dharma, living it out loud. Some people will say way too loud. Um, <laughs> and asking for help. Those three things, even as a young child, the asking for help came later, but mm -hmm. was, I'm really good. But I'm really, in the past, have not been good at no attachment to the outcome. Because I have a very strategic mind. So if my goal is to do this, I can make it happen. And that's why I'm a good business coach for people. I can really like go, what's your goal? Okay, let's make it happen. But I worked with somebody, I got hired, by somebody you know who's fairly famous and I really wanted to you know he hired me for success but he's also was crazy and so I couldn't be t attached to any outcome because he kept changing the outcomes hmm. and he was crazy and I was like why am I here and why am I so frustrated and I was like oh this is where I get the lesson about not being attached <laughs> to any outcome yeah. And from then on, I've been playing with being careful of being attached to outcomes. And it's been really freeing for me. So I just want to repeat it for everybody. Yeah, say it again. Yes. Awesome. Know your dharma. Live it out loud. Ask for help without attachment to outcomes. So for all people who are listening, which one of those catches you, hooks you up, makes your shoulders go up. That's the <laughs> inquiry you should be in around that one. It's that simple. Yeah. It's so interesting. This, I feel like this conversation has shown up a few times in the last few days, but in different forms. So there's kind of a theme. I had someone come into the studio the other day and talking, not in these terms, but essentially about the non-attachment to the outcome and how as like energetic beings, we we know like we know the essence of why we're here or we know what drives us but we have no idea the universal plan and like it's almost always far more magnificent than we can see in our like in our it small has to scope be, because yeah. there's just so much we could see yeah. we're we're in this human living form with you know what we perceive as boundaries you know on our skin and and so there's something so much bigger that we can only you know, that we, that we pray and we meditate and we try to keep our bodies open by moving yoga so that we can tap into it, you know, more and more. But yeah, mm -hmm. it, there's a, it's, you know, a similar story that kind of drove home the point for me, which was, I was reading a book by a guy named Chris Voss and he was like a master negotiator, negotiated with the FBI and hostage situations. And then he wrote this book about negotiating and he said, it is, critical as a negotiator to do your research and have a plan and he said but one thing i learned very fast in hostage negotiations was never be so focused on your goal you miss a better deal right and i always like 
love I don't, that. I was that reading about negotiations, but, about. but I remember that when I read that, like it drove it home for me. It was like, oh yeah, don't be so focused on what's in front of me that like I missed some magic in the universe that would have been so much better or more aligned with what I should be doing. Um, that's, that's a core principle in yoga as well. It's like you, you're learning to be present on the mat. So you can take that present and awareness and be, you're learning to be flexible on the mat. Yeah. Mm. So you could take that flexible ability and that presence t- into every situation. That's why you do the physical practice of yoga. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask you about the balance too of this because um, I know you're a person that you've worked with people uh, individually to help them kind of build a personal mission statement. You've built mission statements for companies like I was wondering kind of the importance of having a mission statement or understanding kind of your mission as a person and then how that plays in with not being attached to the outcome as well. Like, are those two things correlated at all? Uh, Or is a mission completely different? Like, how do you look at? um, I love when I work with businesses to really delve into what's their vision you know, what are their mission or the core dharma of this business, right? Because if you don't know that, you get lost and you go in a million directions that maybe are distracting. And so to to start out when you work with a business to really be clear about those things are, um, are potent starting points. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Sorry, it just dawned on me, I was answered my own question in my head, that that is kind of like the first step before you cannot be attached to outcome you have to know your dharma which is a little bit like a mission statement right yeah and i think what you're saying about a mission statement is um can you can you um harness your dharma into words so that they can guide you on because that's what a mission statement is designed for it's to harness you know, the calling and put it up on words so that like it guides you on it, 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 it casts the way in which your direction is going in a, in a light, but very clear, you know, way. And so I think there are many times in my life where I've, I've, you know, relisted my intentions and my goals and my wants and my strengths and kind of cultivated a statement, or sometimes it's not even cultivating a statement. Sometimes it's reading an elegant line from a poem and going, that is it, you know, and I need to post that on my bulletin board and not forget that, you know, and we're in the, we're in this time of memes and, you know, sometimes these memes are like, they just hit you, (laughs) you know, and like, I sometimes think God speaks to me through these memes. I swear <laughs> to God, like, I'll be in, like, I'll even be talking to somebody on the phone and, like, just scrolling through Instagram while they're talking to me. And i like, oh, that's the answer to their question. But I'll give it five minutes and tell her later, you know. <laughs> and no, but it's because, because words can potentize. That's, I know that's not necessarily a word, but words can really help to clarify and crystallize us and help us to move on you know sometimes you know when we create that's why we create altars sometimes because altars is a place to to land Mm -hmm. our you know to land our intentions you know anything that can help this to stay with us is is important so 
just equally as important as coming up with that mission statement is the process of which to you uh, the process it takes to get there yeah. right yeah. and that's what i i'm saying it takes some bravado and courage to to stay in inquiry and to find the resources and support and maybe teachers are books that are going to nourish this inquiry not to do it alone mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. one of my one of my teachers always, and I didn't understand this at first, but always made a point in, she's in a uh, like shamanic kind of energetic teacher. And she would always like make people speak, like whatever their experience and their process was and whatever their awakening was, they w she would always have them speak it out loud with or like whoever was there to have accountability and to like speak the truths into existence rather than like keeping it's really an important process and that is a process one i'd love to do a talk someday about ritual but mm. um mm -hmm. and um but here's the thing we're in a society that doesn't listen well <laughs> you know it's very hard to be heard sometimes truly heard and that is why we feel uncomfortable speaking our truth, because what if it doesn't get heard? We were so vulnerable, and yet it didn't even land for someone. And then that means maybe it wasn't the truth, right? right? Th yeah. And that dynamic happens a lot. And in yoga, we talk about the importance of witness consciousness, right? It's, it's a very important thing. Like you can, to be witness to what's coming in for yourself, but also to sometimes just have someone witness your truth. So speaking your truth out loud is another way to potentize um, this, this knowledge. If, you're, if, it feels, if, if it feels like it keeps leaving you, you know, sometimes you get a download and it leaves you. Like mm -hmm. speaking it out loud or writing it, the ritual of doing those things, you know, this is why maybe you brought up mission statement for us because that, that you do have to ground it. It's like the knowledge is coming from above and you, you grasp it, but then how do you ground it? And mm -hmm. speaking it, writing it, creating some ritual around it, some gratitude around it, you know, journaling it, sharing it, like it's, it's very, very important. I have two or three friends, like one of my friends, Jane, like we talk three mornings a week. She lives not near me and basically we're witnessing for each other what we experienced in the last three days and affirming it and nourishing it that and that like it's a very like i don't know what i would do without that that's it, it keeps me grounded or i would just be in my head like mm -hmm. lost in you know loops and cycles loops and cycles <laughs> and you know and and sometimes i'll say does this make sense jane and sometimes she will explain more or sometimes she'll say like oh that and do you remember you told me last week? And I'm like, I forgot I told her this last week. But, yeah. you know, and so w witness consciousness and the rituals are very important parts in staying aligned with your soul or with God or whatever you want to call it. Mm. It's interesting to see how hard it is for us, for like all of us to when it comes time for that moment to speak it or write it and share it. We, that's the, the freeze that happens is so interesting to see. And that's another reason why yoga studios are, are special is because they hold space for the sacred. They hold, which sacred, which is that that we don't even know that's bigger than us, right? So they, and they hold space for that. And, 
you know, it's why sometimes in the middle of yoga, someone will cry because it was mm -hmm. the first time they were ever held in a way. And also the teacher was saying, move your right arm, you know, yeah. but, you know, and, and, and they don't know where it came from, but it was the first time they felt enough sacred space that they could be themselves and not be embarrassed or hold it tight you know, white knuckling, God forbid I let the, the insanity of myself show, you know, people are going to see me naked, you know, and, and um, again, I'm just going to lean into, I've lived a very courageous life trying to do this. I, and I, that might sound egoic on some level, but I've also had to be able to say like, it's, it's been courageous and if you don't feel you have that fiery spark of courage in you then it it, it made the time is not now but if it's there in the smallest way then stoke it mm -hmm. you know and and stoke it by being clear that you want to know your dharma and live it out loud and ask for help like stoke it with that you know you Dito, dito. <laughs> just the little sound. I, I want to just share one other piece that yeah. um, I, I mentioned Tosh Silver and in her latest book and, and Forrest can put this um, and Kim can put this prayer up as part of the resources too. But her latest book, she, she provides what she calls the abundance prayer. And if you actually mm -hmm. Google Tasha Silver abundance prayer, it will come up. You read it. And she says... We read it every yeah. morning in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, and what I do is I actually taped it into my phone and just in the morning, part of my rituals, like when I'm making my coffee, I, I turn it on and I listen to it to myself, you know, listen to myself saying it. But I've been... The last year was a super challenging year for me. Like a lot of things hit the fan that I've been praying for, but they all happened at the same time, so it was a little <laughs> challenging. And that, abu that abundance prayer helped me to stay on track. So we also need like the walking sticks that will help us stay on track, you know, whether it's a regular yoga practice or a regular prayer right. or a meditation or a friend you're talking to in the morning or, but you need those. Having those rituals. And not having the support will keep you, keep you asleep. Yeah. You have to build support for yourself. You have to build support for yourself. I love that. So where, we might have already heard the answer to this when we talk about finding your strengths, but in regards to really tapping into Dharma and tapping into your soul's purpose, where's the best place to start? Well, anybody who's listening to this has started. Yeah. You know, quite frankly, like, I really believe that people who come to me, a lot of people come to me for coaching or just to have a conversation or have a cup of tea. And I used to always be like, Joan, don't show your full force. <laughs> like, you know, you know, take a lot of deep breaths, talk softly, don't get overexcited, you know, don't, you know, don't be pushy because those were, those were aspects that I thought people couldn't handle in my personality. And, you know, when I was a child, my parents used to say, you're a Philadelphia lawyer. No, no, no. Like, and they used to judge me because I had a lot to say. Um, now I've come to believe if anybody is brought to talk to me, they want to see all of me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and that I'm not really rude or crude or too much for people, you know, and, and I allow myself to be fully radiant. So, um, 
so I think if anybody is even attracted to listening to this, on some level, they're already on the path of affirming that, oh, yeah, they know their dharma, or being curious and being an inquiry. And it's, it's that curiosity and inquiry that keeps you opening to the next step. If, if, you're, if, you're, if you're sitting there going like, I can't, I don't, I want, I know, you know, like rigid statements, then there's no room to let anything else in. So the first step is to be curious and to be willing to really know your strengths and, and, and to stand in them and to, and to play with that. Like, I'm going to try to stand into this and see how it feels. Mm-hmm. When I was younger, I hit a big, a really super big challenge in my life. And so I went to a therapist and the therapist kept on telling, asking me, how do you feel? And I kept on saying to her, I think, you know, she'd say, how do you feel about this? And I'd say, I think, hmm. and she'd say, you, clearly your mind is stronger than your feeling center because I'm not asking you what you think. I'm asking you what you feel. And that was so frustrating to me because I could never say what I felt because I didn't allow myself to feel into things. And it was something I was well-trained. My mother, you know, my mother was, took care of everybody. But if you said, mom, what do you want for dinner? She couldn't answer you mm-hmm. because she was so good at, you know, taking care of others. Mm-hmm. So it was a very good Syrian trait that I had, you know, <laughs> learned from my Syrian. All four of my grandparents are from Syria. It's like, you know, this is the way women, you know, are, you know, do. And so this, this idea of feeling was very foreign and very uncomfortable to the point where, like, nausea, nauseating and provoked anger in me to, to have to feel things. And then it was so elusive. Like, it was sad that it was so elusive to me. Like, I felt less than because I couldn't feel. But once you start feeling, and again, this is, this is something the practice of yoga offers, the continual practice of yoga, you can be guided by how does this feel? Talk, how did that, talking to that person feel? How did being quiet all day reading feel as opposed to I shouldn't be reading, you know? And, and if you can get to where your feeling or your soul are, is, is sending you the right, you know, like, that that took that's been a long term training for me, mm. and I think maybe I mean does, can you guys relate to that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm very much in here. I feel like I'm could be notoriously a person who's how do you feel? I think that yeah. I <laughs> might feel. Yeah, I don't know. But don't worry about it because I might not. T- and if that didn't sound right to you. I can try to think of it another way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and this is the smallness of being that is somehow we think the world wants of us. And here's the truth. The world doesn't want that of us. This is a time, and I think I made this phrase up, but this is the time where the world needs revolutionary healers. And the way to be a revolutionary healer is to know your dharma and live it out loud. Mm -hmm. And that's the calling of the moment. And to answer your question, Forrest, Um, that you started with is like, why do we need to know our dharma? It's because it's what the world needs of us. It doesn't need a bunch of small people who are looking for fascist dictators to guide us around. We need to stand up to our truth and be revolutionary healers and revolutionary healers know their dharma and are willing to live it out loud. Mm. 
there's a going back to the Buddhist prayer, there is a Buddhist prayer. And it is, grant your blessings so that I know my dharma. Grant your blessings so that my dharma may progress along the path. Grant your blessings so that the path may clarify confusion. Grant your blessing so that confusion may dawn as pristine wisdom. Confusion can dawn as pristine wisdom if you move through it knowing it's just a knot to untangle for your path. Grant your blessings so that confusion may dawn as pristine wisdom. Boom. Boom. <laughs> Thank you. Any other thoughts that you want to share? What were those questions Jane Jane was saying? Somebody was saying to me the other day that at the end you ask Oh yeah, we kind of oh, stopped three asking seeds. them because we shifted the way the podcast works. Oh no, but ask me them though. anyway. What we, were yeah. they? Curious. Why? Why do we have to get rid of them? Uh, you don't have to add it to the podcast, but I want to know what they are. First question. Oh no, these will be good. <laughs> If you had a billboard, okay, yeah, well, either a billboard that the entire world could see or like a short text message that you'd send out and everyone in the world would get, what would it say? I mean, in context to what we we're just talking about, I feel like I have to say, live it out loud, ask for help, you know, like live out loud, like don't be afraid, live it out loud. The world wants you to live out loud. That's what I would say. Perfect. What is your favorite book to gift to a friend or your favorite book at the moment? Um, I've gifted in the last two years all of Tasha Silver's books. <laughs> I think I've gifted 30 of her um, most recent one, which is It's Not Your Money, you know, about yeah, abundance. I gifted me. it to you guys. You read it? Uh, read that, that's where that prayer is yeah, from. Yeah, that's where that prayer is from. So, so I've good. been gifting that a lot. There's a prayer book I really like that I'd have to walk over and go see that I've gifted many, many times, probably 50 or 60 of them to staff and different people um, by the Vendata Society. Um, that's a daily yogic prayer book that um, many people still read and send me pictures of. And I find myself picking up probably 100 days a year and rereading. It's one yeah. of those 365 books. If you don't have one of those books that every day you can just read. I know who is the guy we were reading. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, Mark Nemo's. Yep. Ne Mark you know, um, Nepo, Nepo. Mark Nepo's has one. And, you know, I find none of them, because I'm kind of ADD in my behavior, like none of them do I stick to for all 365. But something to start your day with that starts your day on the right foot. Some like something that is enlivening. Um, I, you often give those kind of books away. Cool. And lastly, I, th I think this was our last question. Um, what advice would you give your 15-year-old self? Oh, yeah. Uh, like, I'm getting flooded with a lot of stuff, actually, <laughs> in this moment. But I think, like, the initial hit I got was no need to be small. Mm. No need. I think I spent... Even though I, I've been out there in life in a very vocal and loud way, I, I do think I've spent too much of my life trying to control myself hmm. for others. 
No need. No need to be small. Big is good. Big is good. Big is good. Is there anything you wanted to share? We'll say, I, I don't know if you want to say this, but you did launch a new Instagram account. It's called Joan Dwyer underscore art. Did I get that right? I think it's just called Joan Dwyer art. Or Joan Dwyer art. Which I haven't been posting on yet because I have been a little on the under the grid, but I am on Instagram at both Joan Dwyer and Joan Dwyer art. And my email is Joan Dwyer at all that matters dot com and will be for a while. Is it Joan Dwyer at all that matters? Nope, it's not. It's, <laughs> you're right. My email is Joan at all that matters dot com. So if anybody is inspired to have a chat with me, I love chatting about things like this and would love to have a cup of tea um, with you. And I'm really enjoying this podcast. I was really afraid of it. And <laughs> I think you're going to have to come well, do it again with me. Yeah. yeah. And if you guys love this podcast um we have a bunch of other topics like ritual that we could talk about and we when we asked you to be on the podcast we ran through several different topics we could talk about so we'd love to have you as a recurring guest thank you for being on our show and lastly i wanted to say we're gonna roll out of this podcast with a new release of a song by soul note and malachi Solar Center Cosmic Mother Star